Welcome to the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. I'm CEO Dan Mariashin. Thank you for tuning in today. While you're settling in, be sure to visit our website, b'naibrith.org, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. The easiest way to get the latest episode is to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play on your smartphone. We're pleased today to welcome to the podcast from Brussels, the European Commission's coordinator on combating anti-Semitism, Katarina von Schnurbein. Katarina was appointed coordinator for combating anti-Semitism by the European Commission's first vice president, Franz Timmermans, in December 2015. Katarina, welcome to the show. And uh, the first question would be, how did you become interested in this particular area of human rights? Hello, Dan. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on the program. Yes, well, I've um, worked in the area of freedom of religion and dialogue with religions and non-confessional organizations for uh, quite some time. I was advisor to um, President Barroso uh, in this uh, dialogue that the commission has with these organizations. And uh, the Jewish community were part of this. And so within uh, that dialogue... um, Antisemitism and the rise of antisemitism um, was uh, discussed and was uh, raised with us uh, frequently. So uh, when there was a possibility uh, to uh, to uh, dig deeper into this, um, I was very interested. Now you work with EU member states, uh, European Parliament, civil society organizations like ours, religious leaders, academics to coordinate and and strengthen policy responses to anti-Semitism, as well as hate crimes and and discrimination. Um, What are your main focal points uh, today, um, given the fact that we've seen this tremendous spike in anti-Semitic acts across Europe? Yes, indeed. It is very worrying to see how um, anti-Semitic incidents and also anti-Semitic thinking uh, is increasing and is also increasingly found uh, in the middle of society, no longer only at the fringes. Um, We have uh, taken, uh, um, I would say, a multi-layer approach. On the one side, my responsibility is to liaise closely with the Jewish communities, with Jewish organizations throughout Europe to know exactly what their thinking is, what their issues are, um, what their suggestions are also for uh, the European uh, Commission. And to feed that then into the policymaking process here on the European level. And also to report uh, directly uh, to First Vice President Timmermans and also Commissioner Jodova, who's responsible for justice, um, and to make sure that they are uh, informed about uh, these uh, issues. So we have uh, looked into the legal issues, for example. We have uh, already legislation in place, a so-called framework decision on racism and xenophobia, which, um, for example, criminalizes uh, Holocaust denial inciting to violence and hatred, which uh, needs to be, however, implemented and uh, transposed by the member states. So what we need in this case uh, to apply the legislation correctly is uh, training for uh, law enforcement authorities and to ensure that the legislation doesn't only exist on paper but also is um, is applied. Another issue that we've tackled is uh, illegal online hatred. There is a difference, uh, as you know, 
between um, freedom of speech uh, in the US and in Europe because of our history. We limit freedom of speech when it is about incitement to hatred and violence. And uh, therefore, what is illegal in the real world also must be illegal online. So we have started uh, to uh, look into how we can tackle the rising uh, illegal uh, hate speech online. We concluded in May 2016 a code of conduct with um, the big IT companies, Twitter, Facebook, Microsoft and Google, to ensure that they um, themselves within 24 hours revise and if necessarily remove illegal hate. In working with the uh, social media companies, um, did you find it uh, difficult at first? Did you find uh, goodwill there? Did you find uh, an understanding of, of what it is that uh, you were trying to do? I do think there is a recognition that uh, hate speech online is increasingly an issue. It's also an issue of reputation uh, for them. Um, uh, I think it was important to show that uh, we have legislation and that this legislation, that the Internet is no uh, legal black hole, uh, that this legislation applies um, on the Internet. And uh, that was important uh, to, to uh, bring home uh, to the Internet companies. And uh, we see that there is an improvement. We see that uh, they have increased their staff uh, and their knowledge about uh, the legal basis, also with regards to the various uh, languages across Europe. We see that there has been slight improvement uh, with regards to takedowns um, and uh, and the uh Now, anti-Semitism in the 21st century uh, really is made up of, of several components. There's classic anti-Semitism from the, the far right, uh, more recent anti-Semitism from the left. There's anti-Semitism in the Islamic world. Much of it, much of it today, centers on Israel, on anti-Zionism. Um, the um, the definitions of, of anti-Semitism are changing, and we can talk about that in, in, in a moment. Um, I was present at uh, the OSCE conference, very important conference in 2004, uh, where then uh, U.S. Secretary of State uh, Colin Powell um, addressed the question of, of Israel and criticism of, of Israel, uh, where it, it has gone way over the line into uh, into anti-Semitism. Perhaps you can talk a little about that. Yes, we do think that we need uh, to tackle anti-Semitism uh, in a holistic way, to acknowledge all forms of anti-Semitism. And as I already said before, it's not only to be found any longer on the fringes. We, we know that there is re religious and racist uh, anti-Semitism on uh, right-wing uh, extremism, and we also know that there is increasingly anti-Semitism on the uh, on the left and also from within um, the Muslim community, and we need to um, 
to acknowledge all these forms. And I think uh, with regards, um, of course, with regards to Israel, uh, things are very complex. So the the definition that you alluded to, I think, is a quite um, clear. It is a non-legally binding guidance tool, which says on the one side that criticism of uh, Israel like that uh, towards other countries cannot be considered anti-Semitic. But, um, you know, the line is crossed when it is about the self-determination of the Jewish people uh, or when uh, the right of uh, Israel's existence is denied. So there are certain red lines um, that uh, that are very clear. And I, would, I, I want to make clear anti-Semitism as such is not illegal. But what you have to see is that when someone denies Israel's right of existence, he has to live with the fact that someone else calls him an anti-Semite. And, and it is important, I think, for the public discourse to increase the knowledge about these various forms of anti-Semitism and to acknowledge also that anti-Zionism nowadays hides behind um, anti-Semitism. Yeah, well, there's no question that uh, there's uh, an attempt to explain oftentimes uh, by those who, who have more nefarious uh, motives uh, and, try, and do try to hide behind this issue of, of simple criticism, which of course in, in many, many cases uh, it is not, uh, especially when the ulterior motive really is to uh, deny Israel's right to exist or, or to demonize or to delegitimize uh, Israel. Um, the European Parliament uh, adopted a resolution on anti-Semitism and uh, B'nai B'rith our Brussels office uh, and our organization generally very supportive of, of the, those efforts. Uh, tell us uh, more about that. Yes, indeed, uh, I can. I would like to acknowledge uh, this an important contribution uh, to this and, the, and your support. And in general, also the very good cooperation that we have here and uh, across uh, Europe. Um, yes, this this resolution in the Parliament started uh, after a debate uh, that was held um, on the question, is there a future for Jews in Europe? And uh, following that, uh, a resolution was tabled which addresses the, the different possibilities on European level, but also for the member states uh, to, um, to fight anti-Semitism and to prevent it. So it... Um, first of all, acknowledges and adopts um, the um, resolution on anti-Semitism that was adopted by the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance um, earlier in in December. Uh, sorry, in apologies, in in May 2016, and um, and it uh, requests also the member states of the EU and uh, and also the. Uh, European institutions to adopt it and to use it and to apply it. And I think this is very important. Um, the definition as such will not change anything unless it is applied, it is used, uh, for example, in education. It is uh, related to teachers. Um, we need to engage in training already at universities, but then also in schools. You know, I think uh, probably education is uh, the most important preventive arm when it comes to uh, to anti-Semitism. And it is important that um, we empower teachers and we uh, give them also security because very often I think the, uh, discuss uh, the, well, the discussions or the situations they face in the classroom uh, 
are very complex. And when you talk about uh, the Holocaust and then some a hand goes up and says, well, but Israel is doing the same in Gaza, then I think for a teacher that is not specifically trained, this is a situation where he probably prefers to not talk about the Holocaust and just um, turn the page. And so we believe that it is very important to um, to uh, improve the situation uh, with regards to teacher training and also uh, look at the curricula when it comes to uh, teaching about Jewish life in Europe. So not only look at the dark chapters and uh, at the Shoah, but look at the contribution that Jews have brought to uh, Europe throughout the centuries and also what it means to live as a Jew in Europe today. For example, there's a, a program now where where Jewish young um, people in a gap year uh, go to uh, schools and um, discuss with the students what it means to be a Jew uh, here and a young Jew in, in Europe today. So it's these kind of very concrete uh, things that we can um, support um, as well. Well, all of these measures are, are so important. Uh, uh, Europe was the place <coughs> where the most, uh, most heinous crimes uh, against humanity and most heinous crimes against the Jewish people were committed within the memory still of uh, not only survivors but, but the Europeans who, who lived at that time. So um, this resolution and uh, the emphasis that you've talked about on, on education uh, is extremely important, um, especially now as uh, those uh, survivors and those who lived at that time are nearing the, the ends of their lives. And so with no memory, uh, no actual memory, uh, the obligation to educate, uh, the, the, ab the obligation to um, uh, deal with those who engage in anti-Semitism is, of course, that much more urgent and more important. So. We, we welcome what you've done and welcome the, the work that, that you're doing to, to make this happen. Yes, I, I think you're absolutely right that we also need to uh, revise our culture uh, of remembrance huh? because um, as uh, the survivors pass away, we need to find uh, new waves, uh, ways of, uh, of addressing these issues and to keep the, the memory alive. And I know this is also a a challenge for the second and th a third generation to to carry um, the testimony of uh, their their forefathers. Um, but it, I think it is important also as for the institutions on European level and also in the member states level to really address this. For example, our director general of the education department went to the March of the Living uh, this year to address this issue with um, the ministers of education from the member states. So we think that this is uh, this is one additional aspect that needs to be tackled. And it is very positive that um, the resolution that was, by the way, adopted with a two-thirds majority um, in the parliament uh, emphasizes this as well. Katrina, the uh, European Union has um, nearly 30 member states. Uh, uh, what kind of reception uh, are, are you getting when you travel to these capitals and you meet with officials? Um, countries differ from, from place to place. Uh, how has that reception been, and what do you see as the future going forward in terms of 
governments uh, taking this resolution and uh, implementing um, uh, suggestions and recommendations uh, with regard to fighting anti-Semitism. Yes, I think that's a very valid point because the implementation is always the crooks. <laughs> so we see that, first of all, the situation for Jews across Europe is very different. In uh, some member states, they they feel uh, almost threatened in a, on a daily basis, let's say, or in their daily lives. Um, and to the extent uh, that uh, they think about leaving Europe, which is, of course, a catastrophe if you think about it. 72 years after the Shoah, uh, Jews think again about leaving Europe because they, they think they have no future here. Uh, but then we see also other um, countries where the physical threat or the attacks are less, but still the population harbors a high level of anti-Semitism and prejudices um, that have been there for uh, for very long. And uh, this includes conspiracy theories and it includes uh, the idea that the Jews have all the money and they control our media and our politics. And uh, anyway, uh, we don't need to restitute anything because um, the Jews have anyway enough um, funds to, you know, to survive. So this kind of thinking um, is is still there, and I think this is is equally difficult um, to tackle. Um, one of our roles is also to to really support the Jewish communities and to build resilience and. Um, I see that with regards to uh, security, for example, there has been a lot of improvement. Security is an issue that is uh, in the member states' competence. We encourage uh, the member states to address uh, these issues together with the communities and also not to leave the burden of financing of these measures on the communities themselves. And we recognize that it's not... Uh, Let's say a long-term aim cannot be that uh, Jews uh, are protected by barbed wires and that uh, Jewish kids have to go to school behind uh, walls. But at the moment, unfortunately, this is um, necessary. What I think we need to, what our ultimate aim needs to be is to achieve normality so that Jews can live the lives in Europe they want to live just as any other citizen as well. Well, Katrina, that's a, a good point uh, on which to end uh, this discussion. We certainly hope that we can have you back and, and uh, discuss sure. these issues further. Uh, but we are deeply appreciative for all of the work that you're doing uh, inside uh, the EU and its, its various agencies um, to address uh, this issue. And Thank I look forward to much. coming to Prague to the Maybrith uh, International event in October. Well, we look forward to, to seeing you there as well. That's about all the time we have for today. Um, our guest has been Katarina von Schnurbein, who is the European Commission's coordinator on combating anti-Semitism, who joined us today from Brussels. Thanks again for joining us for the B'nai International podcast. Please visit our website, b'nai like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on your smartphone through the Apple Podcasts app for iPhone, or through Google Play for Android. And lastly, tell a friend about us. For Katarina von Schnurbein, I'm Dan Mary Ashen. We'll talk to you next time on the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. <laughs>